And welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host and founder of Alzheimer's Speaks, Lori LeBay. And uh, the reason I started this company was my mom had dementia for 30 years, and it really was life changing for me. And I felt, um, I really felt a calling to do something different. And so, Alzheimer's Speaks, I'll just explain a little bit to you about it because I always get listeners, uh, new listeners, asking, um, what the heck do we do and why do we do it? Um, bottom line, we are an advocate advocacy-based company and a media outlet um, providing multiple platforms to help shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort around the world. And we truly believe that by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having these everyday conversations about life with dementia, um, that we're going to be able to help people um, continue to live purpose-filled lives, both those diagnosed and those caring for them. And so it's really an honor for me to be able to talk with people all around the world. I'm hearing what they're doing um, to, to make a difference. Alzheimer Speaks also believes that you know, at our core, we have to work together in collaboration if we're going to win this battle against Alzheimer's and all the other types of dementia. And I can honestly say that I know that collaboration within our fan base is working. You see all of your likes, your clicks, your shares um, with spreading our content. If it's the radio show, if it's the Dementia Chats webinars that we do where our experts actually are diagnosed with dementia, if it's our blog, our YouTube channel, our Twitter, um, all those various platforms that you share, got us recognized by ShareCare and Dr. Oz as the number one influencer online, and also by Maria Shriver as an architect of change. So I hope that you will continue to do that, um, not because, you know, I like the accolades. I mean, everybody does, but I, I really feel that those accolades are shared with each and every one of you because we did not do that alone. And it really shows that team effort in terms of spreading awareness. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart for being a part of that and helping get information um, to people who are in need. Um, I also want you to think about, you know, maybe you could be our next guest because on Alzheimer's Speaks, we like to raise everyone's voice. So um, that means someone who's diagnosed or maybe someone who is starting to question, um, should they go in um, for a diagnosis and see what's going on? Maybe it's a care partner. Maybe it is someone who has written a book, a song, a movie, um, uh, short videos, done some advocacy. Um, maybe you're a business that provides a, a service, a product, or a tool that can help those in this space. Um, again, we like to raise everyone's voice and um, really approach this in a collaborative fashion. Uh, before I introduce our guest today, um, who is Katie Bowman, who I'm so excited to have on the show, I do want to just do a couple of housekeeping things. Um, we are doing a dementia-friendly symposium in Cruz November 11th through the 18th, and we still have a couple of cabins available. If you'd like to join us, please go to alzheimerspeaks.com, and you'll be able to see that information right there. You will need to go um, through um, Kathy Schof, who is our um, who is our travel agent um, to be part of the symposium and cruise. So uh, just to let you know that, but we have four people with dementia who will be speaking along with myself, um, music therapist, Becky Watson, and a gal in Colorado who is doing a dementia friendly community there, Cindy Lazinski. So it's going to be a really fun, fun time. We also have some wonderful giveaways. Um, John Hopkins is donating some books, the 36 hour day, 
a loving approach to dementia care. The American Senior Magazine is uh, donating some new magazines there. Um, plus, we have so many other uh, fun giveaways that I think you'll really enjoy. So let's get this show on the road today. I was lucky enough to meet Katie Bowman out in California this summer for a, a, an event that Maria Schreiber puts on called Move for the Minds. It was in Orange County. And I have to tell you, I was so impressed with Katie's work and her outlook that I immediately asked her to be on the show um, because I think her insights are going to be life-changing for so many people. You see, Katie is what she calls part uh, biomechanics, um, part science communicator, and she considers herself a full-time mover. She has educated hundreds of thousands of people on the role of nutritious movement, which we're going to learn more about, and how that plays out in the body and in the world at large. So welcome, Katie. How are you today? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Well, like I said, I, I'm really excited to have you be here. One question I always ask my guests before we kind of get into um, the specifics um, of them being on the show is just to have them share if they have been personally touched by friends or family um, it, with dementia at all. I have. Uh, my stepmother had Alzheimer's for 12 years. Okay. Uh, and so I have lived it. Um, and my father, who um, recently passed away at 90, was a primary caretaker. So having the opportunity um, to support care, but also to support a caretaker and to see, to, to live it, I think uh, it's been pretty direct. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's pretty, that's about as hands-on as, as you can get there. Um, now, Katie, you have written this book, which is really interesting, called Dynamic Aging, and you have simple exercises for what you call whole body mobility. And, um, you know, one of the things that I absolutely adored when, when I was listening to you at the Move for Minds was um, how you have broken down movement um, to really work into everyday life. Um, because many of us, um, and I think there's a lot of people like me, think of exercise as a chore, um, something extra that we have to kind of work into our schedule and, and not fun. And that's just kind of how I grew up. And I know a lot of people look at it um, in a whole different light, but I think there's a lot of people like me out there. And so I want you to talk about, first of all, defining about what you mean by um, nutritious movement and how that's different from exercise. Well, movement is anytime you're you're changing the shape of your body. You know, as your as your joints are bending into different shapes, as you're bending over, or you know, taking a light walk, or even if you're sitting in your chair and you decide to cross your legs one way versus the other way, each thing that you do moves you in a particular way. And I like to delineate between that and exercise because exercise seems exercise is really, by clinical definition, something that you do that's repetitious in nature. It's often vigorous. Uh, it has a, a set time frame that you're going to, that you've predetermined you're going to do it. You're going to do it for 20 minutes or 40 minutes or a set other type of um, uh, parameters. Like you're going to do it for, for three miles or you're going to do it 20 times, you know, very, very rigid. Mm -hmm. And then oftentimes in the way that you are thinking about it is the way that most people think about it. You need to go to a, you need to leave your life to go to a special place to do it. You need a special outfit to do it. You probably need to shower when you're done doing it. <laughs> and, and because it's frame because movement, which is simply just changing your position, mm -hmm. uh, because we keep thinking about it as exercise, especially for this particular audience, if you don't have the luxury of being able to step away for a large period of time, then you don't really believe that there are any movement opportunities available to you because uh, how, how can we step away from our responsibilities so frequently when there are other people that need us? And so we end up with a lot of people who aren't doing the thing that's actually necessary, the thing that's actually 
nutritious to our body, meaning it feeds our cells. It, it is affecting our health of various systems, not only your muscles and your bones, but your nerves. And we can talk about later the function of your brain and, and your vision and all these other things that are kind of not necessarily movement related, that the nutritious quality of movements are not, they don't have to be done in an exercise format. They just have to be movement. They can be done dispersed throughout your day in a way that doesn't require a shower afterwards, in a way that allows you to do it in your home and with your loved ones. Um, so that's why I think it's really important that we reframe as people recognize more so now than ever that that movement is a, a key to their health, just like you know, eating a particular way and having community and support and stress-free living and maybe even joyful living as part of what makes us tick pretty well. Mm -hmm. Movement is also one of those things, but it doesn't have to be that classic description of exercise that, frankly, so many people kind of hate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, it's, you know, I think especially if you, you know, if you have any type of chronic illness or if you're caring for somebody else, you know, you're, you're kind of pushed to the max usually, um, mentally, physically, you know, time wise. And in, when you, when, when we talk about exercise is just one more thing that needs to get done. And as important as we know it is, it's usually one of the last things people will put on their schedule because, you know, so many other things will take precedent because it is accessible. Like if it's doing wash or getting groceries or medications or, you know, um, all those other things that need to need to get done in a day. And I, I loved how when you were talking about just um, even how you set up your house, putting stuff on different shelves so you'd have to reach you know, and you'd have to stretch. And I, and I know that there's a point, especially with, you know, as, as bodies age, that, that that could come into a safety issue for some people um, as well. So being smart in terms of that. But, you know, when you were talking about that, maybe you can give some better examples um, than that, than what I just did. Um, but it really, I, the light bulb just went off in my head about, gosh, I really don't have to necessarily leave my house and belong to a club. I, there are things that I could do every day in, um, to keep my body in motion. And for me, um, I know I sit way too much, you know, because I'm, I'm in front of the computer all the time and I can feel it and I really need to do something different um, and change that mindset. Um, can you give our audience some other examples and maybe and also um, talk about how to change that mindset? Because I think it's, anyways, for me, it's, it's pretty darn ingrained in my head, you know, that it's exercise, not movement. And how do I make that shift? Uh, certainly. I, I was just thinking of an example you just gave about, like, what are the essentials? If we, if we could kind of come to the caretaking essentials, so it's relevant to, you know, to all of us, whoever we're taking care of. You've got food-related movements, food preparation, household chores, laundry. Um, it would be to look at those events. So one of the things that I talk about in, in Dynamic Aging, which is um, the book that you were reading, is this idea that without whether we recognize it or not, we've kind of changed our households. To get to be convenient, we've designed our household, the height of the cupboards, the height of the counters, to require less movement of us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, your desk, every, everything is, keeps it so that your arms don't have to stretch very far and your knees and hips don't have to get you very far up and down to be able to facilitate this, this computer time that you're going to do. Or I will suggest something like, you have to do laundry anyway. You've prioritized laundry as an essential more so than movement. And if you were going to do, let's say that you also knew maybe your knees or your back was pretty stiff and you had already seen a specialist who said, you know, there are some stretches that you could be doing for your back that would not only, that would reduce your overall stress level. And that's kind of equally important for a caretaker. And it's also an essential, but it's, it doesn't pile up as much mm -hmm. as laundry does in your face. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, would be this idea that why don't you sit on the floor then and 
put your legs out into this stretch that maybe, you know, a physiotherapist or if you're trying to get to a stretching class or a yoga class would have you do to stretch your hips and relax your low back. Why don't you just sit like that while you fold your laundry, getting taking care of two things at once, not only the essential laundry, but also the essential movement of your hips and your spine. So that's always threaded through my recommendations are things like to look at what the essentials are. So you talked about some of the things I did in the kitchen would be putting my plates maybe two uh, cupboards higher than I normally would. Cupboards is not the right word. Shelf. So instead of always using my shoulder in exactly the same way, maybe I'm lifting it one or two inches above or putting the thing that I reach for once a day, whether it's tea bags or peanut butter, putting that into a place that requires just a little extra use of my shoulders, you know, and it's all in a very safe way or putting things down a little bit lower than I normally use them to, and I'll help other people set up their kitchens like this as well. So that when they go do the simple thing of making a sandwich, Mm -hmm. making sure that their lunch is needed, they ended up moving more of their parts by doing so effectively got more movement. Um, And then just thinking of you right now, having to do a lot of computer work. And I assume a lot of people at least have some computer time changing up this the space in which you're working maybe being if you have a laptop if you're uh, able to stand up move it to a standing counter and at least doing 10 or 15 minutes of your work on something that's standing or having a crate where maybe you can set up your keyboard so that you're not consuming your computer time in exactly the same position over and over again so it's really just playing with the environment in which you're doing the essentials that's effective enough to get you moving more Mm-hmm. Which which makes a lot of sense. And even like when I would do my radio shows, I used to do it standing up and now I'm doing it sitting and it's like, I need to rearrange my office to do that again. Um, yeah. Because I, I just, I sit way too much. And what I found myself doing is I, I switch from one chair to another, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, no, I, I just... I can feel it in my back. I can feel even the loss of muscle um, that I'm just, I, I'm, I'm plugging into this computer way too much and I, I have to change things up. Um, definitely have to. And one of the things that I like with your book is you have so many pictures in so many different stretches and, and movements, um, you know, to be able to help people. Um, it, it's, I, it's amazing. You know, you've got a chapter on reaching, carrying, lifting, and other functional movements. And, and I just don't think that we think about all the movement that we do and how it impacts how, you know, when we move one body part, there's kind of that little trickle effect. And um, that can make a big difference in keeping us loose. And, um, and I would think that they strengthen the core then and would help, you know, if, if we're moving more, um, we're probably going to have less, less falls. Is that what you found um, in terms of balance and things? Yeah, I do, you know, and I really like to break that down, though. There's a point, because we've, it, because we move so little, our risk of weakness and loss of balance increases, so that when we do go to move, we're kind of a little bit more susceptible for the falls. And so what's happened, again, what I'm trying to highlight in in especially that particular book compared to some of my other ones is we know we need to move more, but how do you transition from being kind of a current non-mover, you know, someone who spends the bulk of their time in a chair, how do you you safely transition Mm -hmm. so that if you put up something high, you know, you're not going to strain your shoulder by, by reaching too far. And so I, I do believe in transition um, because there's a direct relationship between the amount you move, um, the types of movement that you do, and the ability for your body to move safely. And so there's like this, this fine line that I like to help people negotiate and learn t- is like, okay, we want to work on your balance, but instead of, you know, standing up and doing a bunch of balance exercises, we're going to make standing up the exercise. Mm-hmm. You're just going to get out of your chair. I mean, even if you're listening to this right now, seated, you could just stand up on two feet 
And that could be the exercise. You don't, you don't have to do anything more than just get out of your chair. If you're on a phone call, you can take it standing up. Mm-hmm. If you are waiting in line, instead of leaning, you know, where you're leaning against the counter where you're, maybe you're at the bank and your whole body is propped up on the counter, you could just adjust your alignment or your posture a little bit so that you were holding your weight and not giving it to the counter. And then that would make that moment in time develop your body so that you were more stable and could hold up yourself longer. So it's, it's just adjusting your thinking to seeing every moment as an opportunity for movement to mm-hmm. some degree and to recognize that by taking those mo- taking those movement moments, you are investing into a more stable, less prone to injury structure going forward. So all of those movements are, they're, they're sort of a, an immediate investment. Mm-hmm. And you have things I think that, that most of us don't think of as movement, like toe stretching. I mean, that would not come to mind, <laughs> you know, that that, that would be um, an important thing for us to do. Can you, can you explain why something like toe stretching um, is important for us? Well, I don't think a lot of people, uh, so one in four women, and I'm not sure what the statistics are for men. I know it's an, a, an, a prevalent issue for men, but I don't know the exact numbers, has foot pain to the point that they can't move their entire body, meaning whether they have plantar fasciitis or a neuroma, they have some sort of foot issue. The rest of their body is fine. But if you have this sore foot, you can't take a walk. You really can't do more than just sit. And so I've written a couple books just on foot pain alone because foot pain can make your entire body immobile. And it often relates specifically to the immobility of your feet. So even for people who are exercising on a regular basis, maybe they're taking a walk every day. Maybe they're taking a a yoga class every day. When they come to work with me, we will find that despite maybe that there, some of their body is active, that, that their foot, their feet, which are very complex parts of, of your anatomy, mm-hmm. um, 25, 25% of the number of muscles and bones in your body are from the ankle down. That most wow. people have never, they've never exercised their feet. They've kind of slipped their feet into very stiff shoes and head off to take a walk. And so they can be regular walkers, but they're like, as I'm getting older, I'm, I'm losing balance, my knees, I maybe have osteoarthritis in my knees, and I can't figure out why because I exercise regularly and I'll have them take their foot out of their shoe and say, you know, the base of support of your body is really kind of all hinging on this really complex structure that hasn't been equally trained as the other parts of you. And so, yes, toe, toe, like toe stretching and if everyone wanted to try something right now, they could take off their shoes and see if they could spread their toes so that none of them were touching, to spread them out, just like if you took your hand and spread the fingers away from each other so that there was space in between each one, that there are muscles in your feet that do this for your toes, but maybe you've never used them. And as you strengthen your feet, the payoff for that besides healthier feet is a stronger base of support. Meaning again, you're going to, when you do start moving more, getting out of your chair more, maybe deciding to take a walk every day or parking a little bit farther from the grocery store so that you have more time to walk and maybe more time to carry your groceries. If you don't always wheel them out that you'll find that those activities are supported by healthier, stronger feet. Mm-hmm. Which which makes total sense. Um, and you know, for me, I was just uh, uh, like I said, and I and I am listening to you now, just amazed at, I guess, how I have taken my my body parts for granted, basically, and and not realized the importance and how intricate they are, and how much they can really help me if I if I appreciate that they exist and, and I don't think I've really appreciated their existence, you know, in terms of the mechanics of my moves and, um, you know, strengthening my core and, and keeping me safe. 
um, and comfortable, you know, and, and not, um, you know, pain free, all of those types of things I think people struggle with. And, and yet we don't talk about um, simple things. I mean, you've got a lot of um, movements that people can do sitting or lying down, I, you know, they don't need all this extra equipment that's in the gym to be able to um, feel the benefits of strengthening their body. And, and I think, you know, we've almost been, um, you know, the, the advertised myth that we have to belong to a club to be healthy and fit. Um, you know, we've, we've bought into that. And in your book kind of breaks that down and says, you know, you, you can do this on your own, in your home. And for someone who is a care partner or someone who is dealing with some forms of dementia, you've really broken things down that are very simple to be able to do. So they're not complicated. I mean, I, I remember going to the gym, you know, and every machine I would have to readjust and, you know, and, and, and know exactly how to utilize it correctly where when you take that equipment away, it's just, it's kind of you and your environment and, um, and the movement itself. And you've taken, I think you take the scary out of, of movement. Um, and, and maybe there is, you know, maybe I'm simplifying it too much. Maybe there is a total right or wrong way, but I, I get the feeling when I read your book that even if I don't do it right, I'm still moving in a different fashion than what I was so that that's probably a good thing. Um, and it's not, you're not calling for kind of the reps and things that you get in the gym where that's where I know I've hurt my body by pushing too, too hard, too fast. Um, and, and please tell me if I'm interpreting, um, the book incorrectly. Um, you know, don't, <laughs> because I want to make sure our audience understands what it is that you, what you've, what you've put together here for people. No, I, I, I thank you because taking, taking the fear out of movement, I, I think there is a lot of fear around movement because the spaces that we go to for movement aren't always designed with everyone in mind at every stage, at every need. You know, they're trying to meet, they're trying to make, meet a, uh, a, f a few really specific needs in the best way that they can, but having worked with uh, thousands of people, you know, face to face has been a very good laboratory for me to go, oh, every single person has a different need from their movement experience and, and there's, and everything seems very complicated and, you know, uh, heavy, heavy things and metal things and noisy things and, not always a pleasing aesthetic experience or, or auditory, you know, maybe it's loud and blaring. And so, I mean, dynamic aging, I wrote specifically, I, I write a lot of books trying to take the scary out of movement for lots of different populations of people, but dynamic aging was written specifically for a group of people that equally need movement as we all do. We're all aging. We all need movement all of the time. But to, to give it in really simple steps, and all my books have simple steps because I, I believe that movement is just kind of a very simple, we have a kind of a, all have this, a very kind of basic capacity for movement. We just need to be reminded that you're, every morning you put on your shoes, that that was a body part that you put in there. And, and maybe before you put it in or after you take it out, it could use a little bending or rotating or massage that that is, that that is movement that that those articulations are are bringers about of health and that movement can be done within your own landscape fairly easily that you don't have to have lots of money to be able to do it you don't have to have lots of free time to be able to do it and you don't even need to know a lot about movement science to be able to do it. And so I try to liken my approach, this is why I call it nutritious movement, by the way. 
is I think that the best analogy for what I'm trying to say is um, the the story about movement that we've been kind of sold is that, yes, you need exercise. You need to go to a gym because you need these particular moves of your shoulder and this muscle and that muscle. And it's it's very similar to saying you need vitamins and minerals. Right now, the easiest way to get vitamin and minerals is to go to the store and buy them in their individual containers. You know, you buy a bottle of vitamin C and a bottle of vitamin D and a, a bottle of whatever minerals you're going to supplement with. Mm-hmm. But that, But that you could eat a more nutritious diet. You could change the foods that you were eating and those vitamins would be contained within it. So it's only because we don't move regularly through our lives that we need to supplement with exercises. But if you add more movement, nutrition, just in doing your everyday tasks, you don't need to take separate movement nutrients in the form of exercise. You're already, it's like you're just eating well, you're moving well, you shouldn't have to supplement that with additional with, that, with additional pill forms because you, you've chosen kind of how you're taking in your nutrition throughout the day. So it's really just having people move nutritiously throughout the day so that at the end of the day, they don't need to head to a place to get, you know, vitamin chest exercises and vitamin abdominal exercises and vitamin low back stretches. That, that folding the laundry contained vitamin stretch your back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That 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 vitamin uh that vitamin twisting and core strength could be you just unloading the dishwasher. And mm-hmm. instead of having everything be so close to the dishwasher, you have to take a few extra steps and reaches in the process of putting it away. So it's a way of putting the movements back into our lives so that you don't have it as this extra need after you've done all the other things on your list that are also essential. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I kind of laugh and, and giggle when I think of, you know, growing, I grew up in the seventies and, um, I, you know, I think of the rotary phones. I think of, Oh, we actually had to get off the couch to change the channel on the TV. You know, um, it was it was just so different you know when we were younger we we played outside we were much more active you know we've gotten so complacent now everything is kind of almost as virtual reality in terms of game playing as far as conversations um it's it's very interesting how um how much it's affected our lifestyles you know everything is about convenience and squeezing more in so you know when we park our car most of us look for the closest spot instead of just saying hey this is an opportunity to take a little walk you know and and get a little bit more exercise well and to and to that point you know you grew up in the 70s and you Mm -hmm. can recognize that now having lived through seeing all these conveniences come on what we mm-hmm. don't see are all the conveniences that came on before us mm-hmm. so right right now what i'm paying attention what i'm very interested in um how how sedentarism is becoming more and more it's like a goal of the of our culture in general so backup cameras for example like you oh, had yeah. to turn and look over your shoulder, right? Like that was the last kind of twist that happened naturally. But now there's a backup camera. So the whole, we're always looking for the payoff, the safety, the, the thing that makes it good. But with those things, it's often packaged less movement for you to do physically. So for someone who grew up in the 20s or 30s, even having a car, like that's a radical technology, but that meant less walking and it meant less walkable spaces because we had to put roads for those cars. And so since the industrial revolution, there's been a slow outsourcing or eradication of movement. And then you can go back before that to, which is the work that I do often, which is in the thousand years before that, how, what movements did they used to be there? And you can keep going back and you can see one thing definitely throughout society as society has, you know, progressed in many ways, that progression is lockstep, ironically, with a loss of 
our need for movement as we dwell inside of it. So I'm always interested in the health effects that that brings. Every time we, we um, you know, basically lose large swaths of movement, what are the physical realities for that particular culture at that time? Because there are health correlations to people as they become more and more and more sedentary. And I don't mean that they exercise less. I mean that their life requires less movement to facilitate. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's that phenomenon between the 70s and the 2000s, you can just see that over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I, I think of all the walking and the riding of the bikes and, you know, even the grocery store. Now you can have your groceries delivered so you don't even have to go up and down the aisle and pick them up, you know, or lift them in and out of the cart or bag them. And I mean, it, it really is interesting when you look at that. And like you said, the, the, the backup little videos, you know, in the car, just that turning of the head which is critical for people from a safety standpoint because you need to know what's going on. I mean, you have to drive defensive and, and um, I, you know, it, it's, it's very easy little things that can really cause a lot of damage or harm in the long run. And they're so subtle, we just don't pick them up because it seems like it's a convenience. Um, cause, right. Because that's what we've been told. You know, and it is a convenience, but at what cost? You know. Well, convenience. I always I ask that convenience. I think we usually see as a saving time, but I tend to frame convenience as saving movement because you haven't really saved time. Because at the end of the day, maybe your car didn't require that you twist your shoulders or your waist or your head, but your body requires that you twist those parts to maintain them. So at the end of the day, you're just left with a huge list of exercises that you have to do to get those, to keep those tissues healthy. And so they, they are just, they are just like the, those individual movements are just as essential as all the other tasks that seem more essential. However, the effects of not doing them compound over time and silently, and then they just come on and then they seem like separate entities that don't necessarily relate to, you know, a hundred thousand steps not taken Mm -hmm. or, or 7,500 twists not turned. It's really hard to correlate what you didn't do to the thing that's ailing you right now, because we're so used to correlating it to something that we did do Mm -hmm. versus not. Very, yeah, very true. Very true. The other thing that I I like about your book, um, Dynamic Aging, is so much of of what you're talking about, again, is is everyday stuff that we can incorporate and we can do together. We don't have to do alone. So if you are caring for somebody um, with dementia, it is stuff that you can, you know, share and, and do together. Um, in the comfort of your own home, or you can each do it separately if you want as well, um, because it really is about becoming conscious about your your movement or lack of. And I think I think that whole consciousness is the is the big shift. Um, anyways, for me it is because I, I I bought into the other end, and it's just like oh my gosh. How did I miss this? How did I how how did I miss this? <laughs> you know, because it's it really is common sense. I mean, when you think about it, you know, it um we all say, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. And it's like, okay, duh. So why am I doing this to myself? I mean, it really makes well, us ask the question. Well, exactly. And and why are we doing this? But also after you thought about it, like, okay, what, what, what little tweaks can I make to get back to, to the self-care, you know, mm-hmm. to the basic self-care? And then doing it, like you said, with ones that you may be caring for, also very doable. I tried to really bring in the theme of community and, and moving together in dynamic aging because that is very key, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you give us some easy ways to get somebody with um, dementia moving and their care partners? I find gardening to be 
one gardening and so it all depends on you know everyone's um physical capabilities but gardening is a is a wonderful way to uh, get get more movement you know and there are definitely some guidelines around gardening that caretakers can consider especially um if not everyone can advocate or communicate you know how they're feeling but um if you don't have a garden, a community garden is a great space to come to and even uh, walk around. They're often, um, they often have borders around them, which make them nice spaces that allow for a little movement freedom without um, concern, you know, about wandering. Mm-hmm. But move, uh, that kind of, that kind of situation is great, as is dog walking, like involving dog dog walking and gardening were two of the movements that actually were found to be very positive for even people with a diagnosis of various types of dementia because they're low intensity movements, you know, and they just kind of have natural stimulants, you know, letting the dog lead or following the dog, they had more context. And then gardening, of course, is the, is the bending and the twisting and the squatting and maybe even carrying little things from here to there. We, I live in a retirement community, so we have community gardens with raised beds Mm -hmm. that make movements, you know, that much more functional and, and safe and make us capable of the movements. Um, If you feel like doing outside gardening, puts anyone at risk for, you know, extreme temperatures, then creating a little indoor gardening space with um, containers, then they still can facilitate that same moving from point A to point B. There's, it's something to do, but it's something to do that's very natural. There's a lot of benefit to green spaces too for all of us as we I mean, we're all getting older. Green spaces are beneficial now, it turns out, through to humans, uh, no matter what your age is. But mm-hmm. it gets you touched plants. It's tactile. It's living. It's, it's healthy just kind of all around it. And then you can, you know, dig in the soil. You can often dig and plant. So it's a lot of movement for something that's not an exercise, so to speak. But mm-hmm. if you wanted to carve out exercise time, then exercise videos can often be fun to put on and just play in an area, you know, where you can choose to follow along or not, or maybe just get up and down off the floor a couple times. So those are, those are often easy ways to get more movement while still caretaking, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and to have, have someone with you. <clears throat> well, and I like, you know, the, the, the walking and, and, you know, if you're taking the dogs out or maybe it's just a couple and you're just going to hold hands and walk, you know, and, and just have that intimate, time together because sometimes we don't touch as much as we age um, too and getting back to the core of the relationship versus taking care of somebody just allowing to be with somebody um, I I think can be a a huge gift I was also thinking about um, dancing you know um, a lot of people love to dance and, you know, you can dance, slow dance, or you can do a little faster dance, depending on your situation. You can dance in a chair or a wheelchair. I remember with my mom, you know, we used to stand up and dance, and then she got to the point where she was in a wheelchair, and we danced with her in her wheelchair, and then we would kind of do an arm dance, and then we got down to a finger dance. But it was still movement, and it was the incorpor- incorporation of the music and the touch, um, and we, we always had a lot of fun, you know, with it, no matter, no matter what we were doing yet, it was still, it was still movement or I, I'm thinking of, you know, cooking together, um, or, you know, like you said, doing laundry or vacuuming, you know, it doesn't have to just be the want, 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 you know, you can, you can move your body a little bit different <laughs> as you're pushing that vacuum or sweeping the floor, um, or dusting, you know, it doesn't have to be so black and white and tight and proper um, and, you know, have a little fun, you know, with things. Oh, I find chores, you know, I I have a, I work with very little children because that's who's in my home. But the 
the idea is still the same. I'm, you know, I'm caretaking full time, especially when you have someone smaller. And so I use chores, that chore time to get all sorts of movement and play into my life. And so to create this big game of sorting, you know, like I'm just thinking of a ton of laundry. Laundry can be a game. And first of all, you can get on the floor to do it. So now everyone's on the floor, which use your knees and hips to get down there. Maybe you set up three baskets and it's just like, okay, all socks have to be thrown into that basket where you're, where you're reaching and throwing. And it's just a fun game. And you're, you're going to take longer to do your laundry, but instead of doing your laundry and then coming up with a game and then doing exercise, you know, which would each be 30 minutes. Now you just spend 90 minutes playfully doing your laundry and it's a moment. Mm -hmm. None of those are things that have to be checked out. All three of them can be things that you can relish in doing with your loved ones. Mm -hmm. And you're also self-loving at the same time because you're taking care of yourself as you do it. Oh, I, I like that saying, kind of making movements, movements. Um, because it just, to me, it, it changed. You know, I, I'm always one that says, you know, focus on the joy. You're only going to find what you, what you seek out. And I think the same thing applies with this is, you know, if you don't, if you don't see movement as exercise or good for you, or if you don't see it as making moments, you know, that, then you've missed that opportunity. Um, and so, you know, shifting that mindset in terms of what you're looking for shifts your outcomes. I mean, it, it, that's just the way it works. And, um, and so I think if we can shift our perceptions of what it is we're doing, um, then we can really shift the outcomes of, of what happens and how it occurs as well. I remember you saying that when we were on the panel about making moments. So this is just, I mean, for people who have seen exercise as a chore or that did, or something that, you know, that didn't pertain to them, many people are struggling with even kind of recognizing, you know, their own body parts, you know, all the individual parts and pieces that each need their own bit of love and movement. It's just incorporating that idea to see all the ways that you can take joy in movement, mm-hmm. you know, how to, how to, how to reframe something that you feel obligated to do to, to recognize that these are all, these are all joyful opportunities, you know, that for our experience here. And so that you can, you can learn to view them as joyful and beneficial and helpful and fun. Yeah. Well, and I would think depending on how we frame those things, if we look at them as frustrating and a must do and don't really want to be here versus um, I'm going to enjoy this, this is going to be fun um, to be able to do, I would think that that's going to change our, um, our chemistry in our body as well in terms of how we perceive that and how we project that um, in addition to you know, getting the benefits of, of the movement for, let's say, the specific joints. But I would think that um, there's probably a chemical reaction within our body, too, in terms of how we're perceiving that. Certainly. And that's I, when you perceive it as something you want to be doing it miraculously, your life becomes more full of it. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you resist it or don't enjoy it, you find yourself maybe not getting to it as, as, as much as possible. So definitely, definitely choosing to perceive movement as something that you could enjoy and can enhance a relationship or a period of time is helpful. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, Katie, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. I highly recommend your book, Dynamic Aging. Again, simple exercises for whole body mobility, and it's just excellent. I, I think uh, I think it'll change people's perceptions and attitudes um, towards exercise, and really get them thinking about. You know, how can they just incorporate this in everything they do? Because we're, we're all moving constantly. We're, we don't always look at ourselves as exercising, but there's no way that we can't move, you know, unless we're totally paralyzed or something. Our bodies are, are moving. 
Um, and that's what they're, you know, that's what they're built to do. So people, you can go to um, nutritiousmovement.com uh, to learn more about Katie Bowman. You can also follow her on Twitter um, or Facebook or Instagram. Any, any uh, last tips that you'd like to give people, Katie? Oh, I think if I could leave you with one thing, it would be for the next 24 hours, every time you walk through a doorway, see if you can reach up and touch the top or if you're a little shorter, the side of it, just to get your arms moving a little bit different way. Tune in to letting the environment call forth some movement and, and just uh, keep moving and be happy. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate all the efforts you're doing in uh, trying to, to make our lives uh, simpler, more comfortable, and more fun. So keep up the great work, Katie. Um, I do you, want Lori. I do want to mention all of our shows here on Alzheimer Speaks uh, Radio are, are archived. And so you can access these anytime. You can share these. Um, and please do. That's why we're here. We have over 400 shows you can go back and listen to. I'd also encourage you to check on um, a platform we have called Dementia Chats, where I interview people with dementia. Um, those are all free videos. They average about an hour in length. And um, our experts living with dementia just have brilliant insights. Our last one we did was just on the impact of humor and laughter when living with dementia. I also um, want to um, just give a shout out to Atria. I'm going to be out east and visiting them in Massachusetts and um, Connecticut um, October 24th through the 26th. And we're going to be doing some um, screenings of His Neighbor Phil. Um, and I'll also be doing some educational programs uh, called Driving Change in Dementia Care. And would love to have you be part of that. If you want more information, you can reach out to me or you can um, get a hold of Atria. And that's A-T-R-I-A. Um, and I would love to meet up with you. In the meantime, have a blessed week, everyone. Appreciate your time so much. Bye now. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.